So, I don't understand how this list works. IMDb lists are a little funny. When a movie first comes out, it will have like eight or nine, and it'll be in the IMDb top 250, and people will be losing their minds like, oh, this is so incredible, I can't believe it. And then it does, I guess, normal out. Most movies tend to gravitate back towards the middle. They end up somewhere around like a five or six if they're well-liked, and they end up around, they might start off with a one if they're despised, and then, then it finds its audience and it creeps up a little. It might get towards a three or a four or maybe a five. And then sometimes you end up with, you know, the big action blockbusters that for whatever reason are raking in, you know, the eights and the nines before the rest of the movie going audience, you know, checks it out and realizes, no, it's it's still just a dumb, loud movie. And part of the problem is that I think the IMDb users have caught on to the fact that the system weighs tens and ones as less than a vote. If you log on and vote a film a 10, congratulations, your vote doesn't count as much as if you voted for it as a 9. So where does Shaun of the Dead, where, where, what's its ranking on IMDb? What's its, what's its official rating? It is a solid 8.0, which is honestly pretty impressive not a lot of films end up and normalize in the eight range i like it 8.0 seems pretty solid and well deserved for this movie which you know it's not going to win you any oscars but it is solid and it is enjoyable and i'm so glad that we watched it tonight it is the first in the cornetto trilogy 2004's Shaun of the dead so at least we're rolling now at least we're rolling now uh what do you want to start with because i had some ideas for you well i'd like to start with some housekeeping actually I, I agree, but I think we can get there in another way. Okay. Okay, yeah, you ready can... for this? Sure. All right. Hey, welcome to Out of Sync Podcast. I'm Steve Shannon. I'm Jonathan LeDuc. And tonight we watch Shaun of the Dead. 2004's Shaun of the Dead. Directed by Edgar Wright, who Written is... by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. You almost called him Shaun. I know. He, he just sold me on the character so much. I feel like there's a lot of Simon Pegg in Shaun. Or not necessarily in Shaun, but in, in this movie. Yeah being one of the primary writers, and from what I know of his humor and his knowledge, I would say that's pretty heavily Simon Pegg. His humor is in a lot of this movie. Uh, this movie, it is a comedy, but it's not a straight comedy, and I need to make that distinction. because Which, yeah, because... We set some rules. Yeah, we set out some rules pretty early on. And, and we, I don't think we've ever addressed the rules. No, we. so if this is the first time you're joining this podcast... Which, hey, welcome. Hey. Every podcast is somebody's first podcast. This is a podcast where we watch a movie. And then and, we drink. And we drink. Oh, no, wait, wait, we drink. We drink. We watch, watch a movie, movie. Keep drinking. Record. While keep drinking. drinking. And then we drink. And then after we record, we might have another couple drinks. Yeah. But the basic premise is whatever we drink has to be thematically related to the movie in one way or another. Another kind of rule we've kind of loosely set for ourselves is we don't watch movies 
in uh, the same decade as the movie that we watched previously, and I don't think we've ever pointed that out. Yeah, we try not to watch movies in the same decade in a row to make sure that we're not stuck watching the same kind of movie. We would probably just stick to a lot of 80s and 90s movies from our childhood, and we've been trying to branch out a little bit. But really, that's kind of it as far as like what we try and do. As far as movies we try and steer ourselves towards, uh, definitely not necessarily right in the mainstream, but there for sure. Every once in a while we want to do a movie that people have seen, but we also every once in a while try to look at the list and see, hey, have we done anything that we don't think most people have seen? And we get that sometimes. Oftentimes these are movies that we have seen previously before doing this, sometimes not. Every once in a while we see one that none of us have seen. There or is, that one of us hasn't seen. There is sometimes something that we've said in the past while going through our movie selection, which needs to be addressed tonight, which is we really should try and avoid straight comedy. And that's a hard rule that I kind of set pretty early on. And the simple reason is comedies don't have a lot to talk about if it's just, oh, is this funny or is this not funny? So I don't want to just watch Spaceballs and then debate. Is Mel Brooks funny? Is the Mel answer Brooks, is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. All right. Which no parts are funny? Uh, uh, all of them. But I do not feel that Shaun of the Dead qualifies as a straight comedy. Nor, I, I got to put this out here, okay. nor does it qualify as a spoof film. That is a big thing. That is a huge thing for what we need to go through tonight because as far as I'm concerned, there's only been one, two successful spoof films ever. That is uh, Airplane and uh, Naked Gun. Airplane is an interesting thing because I don't know if you know this about Airplane. Most people just see it as a spoof of the airport movies. Right. Which is funny because most people watch it today and have never even heard of the airport movies. But the really interesting thing is Airplane is actually a straight remake of an older film. Really? They actually bought the script. They literally read the script word for word. I, really? Yeah, I think it's called Zero Hour. Oh, geez. And that's why the movie works so well, is because <laughs> they have an already existing script that they just hung jokes on. Oh, okay. Before we get too far sidetracked. Because we're not talking about Airplane right. tonight. Shaun of the Dead. I do not qualify it as a spoof film. Nor, as we said, is it a straight comedy. Shaun of the Dead, it is a comedy. It is also a bit of a love story between, well, questionably, uh, well, certainly, uh, our main character, Sean, and his uh, girlfriend, ex slash ex-girlfriend, Liz, but also between him and his flatmate, Ed. There's some bromance going on there. It's nice. But it's also, it gets dark. Shaun of the Dead gets really dark. It takes a hard, hard turn. Yeah, and we'll get to it, but it has a pretty severe tonal shift, especially last third. The last act of the film is like a di totally different movie if you skipped the middle act. So, before we get into plot synopsis, which I think we're getting pretty good at at this point, we have to talk about what we're drinking, because that, of course, is one of the rules we set for ourselves. Yes, and a clarification of that rule, we do not discuss what we are drinking before we show up to record and watch the movie. I think we have mentioned this once, and it was because we both showed up with the same beverage at one point. And I suspected it might have happened tonight. Luckily, it didn't. I thought long and hard about this one, and I realized I didn't want to drink toma uh, tomato juice or V8 juice, but you did. What did you oh. drink tonight? I had, in honor of our very first zombie that our protagonist has to deal with, I had a Bloody Mary. Which, which of course, is another joke inside the movie. Yep. 
And I'll put this out there. Uh, I've somehow made it to this advanced age, never having had a Bloody Mary in my life. So I decided this is a perfect excuse to have a Bloody Mary because I don't have them at brunch. I'm going to go with a mimosa or at worst a screwdriver. So I made myself a Bloody Mary from scratch. What would you think of Bloody Marys? I fucking hated it. I figured as much. It was disgusting. I did not make it through it. Uh, apparently, I don't like Bloody Marys. We get to talk a little bit more about Bloody Mary because it is a joke inside the film here. But uh, before we do that, why don't you tell me about your beverage? I copped out tonight. I did. I was bad. I wanted so bad not to uh, do anything that had to do with just a British beer because this movie takes place a lot inside a British pub. And I didn't want to do anything zombie related. And I searched long and hard. I looked for things related to uh, vinyl and Jaguar cars and... Uh, cricket and all the other little funny things in this movie uh that may possibly have some kind of drink related oh, you to didn't them. find a drink that had to do with hog lumps oh look hog lumps no i didn't find a drink that had to do with hog lumps is hog lumps a real thing i don't know i'm not super familiar with british pub snacks yeah. it sounds like a real thing i think they're probably just pork rinds as far as snacks are concerned i did find a cornetto uh cocktail Ooh. But it had ice cream in it, and I didn't want to be pounding back ice cream and booze all night. I think that would have been a crap ton of ice cream, considering how much we usually drink during one of these. Yeah. So what I settled on, I copped out. I found a uh, a cocktail. Oh, I'm sorry. I found a shot called uh, Bloody Brain, and it's not high alcohol content. It's Bailey's Peach Schnapps and Grenadine. And here's, here's the trick with this one. You pour the peach schnapps, and then you, you float the Baileys on top of it, right? So it's layered. Yeah, nice layer of Baileys floating on top of some peach schnapps. And then you drip the grenadine on top of it. And, and I was here for this process. It, it was fun. If you do it the right way... I'm not sure if we the did. The grenadine looks... Oh, no, we, we, we fucked it up bad. But the, the grenadine splits apart and it looks like veins inside of a, a brain sitting on the top of your glass. And here here's the best part. You have a shot glass that is a skull. And I... It... it the, the glass itself is skull-shaped. It doesn't have a skull printed on it. It is a skull. And hopefully that comes across in the picture if you're listening to this on the Out of Sync uh, website. Uh, I don't think the pictures are showing up on iTunes or on Stitcher. I don't think they are. I think you just get the Out of Sync thumbnail for that. So visit Out of Sync Podcast and find this episode. Take a look at the picture. Hopefully you can see how awesome this glass is. And of course how appropriate it is to be pouring a brain on top of a skull. And actually, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, swing by the website just so you can see pictures of everything that we drink. Puts in context how it, much. It, it shows you that we're often drinking a lot. And unfortunately, this is actually one of my lighter nights since I really didn't like my Bloody Mary. I well, yeah, immediately backup. switched to your chaser. Oh, yeah, no, because I wasn't going to be pounding shots all night. I had a... Uh, a Bothington's uh, Pub Ale. A I can't do a British. Can you do the, the British accent? I can't do it. Bodding, what kind of British accent? A Bothington's Pub Ale. Yeah, that's much better. Thank okay. you. Ooh, Bothington. This this is one of those uh, cans that you have that has the little ball in it, and I, you may have run across one of these before. And I think it it needs the, an explanation if you don't know what the heck's going on. Guinness has it, for example. They are, I believe, Guinness calls it a widget. I'm not sure if everyone else calls it a widget or not. I I do remember that Guinness. It was a big deal when they were able to finally get nitrogen into the cans. I, I, I forget how the ball helps with 
the nitro pour in the can. It, oh, you're supposed to pour this into a glass. I know, and I drank it out of a, a I drank can. it out of the can. I did, too. Wow, that's us not reading these. Uh, oh, whatever. Well. Nitro just, pours in cans should be drinking out of glasses. We will say that now for anyone who wants to do so in the future. Hey, yeah. So I switched to that. Uh, you also switched to the Boddington's. But right Just now we be are aware that we do drink quite a bit. So when there are pauses, we might be drinking or we might just be slow because we've been drinking. Not going to lie. When John was explaining his uh, Bloody Mary thing, I totally went and poured myself some more uh, Bloody Brain. Skip to the end. Episode 18, Shaun of the Dead. I Ooh. am excited that we get to do this one because uh, we get to talk a lot about genre mashups. We get to talk about, you know, uh, spoof versus uh, homage. Uh, yeah. We get to talk about... We get to talk about Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg collaborations. The Cornetto trilogy. Or the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. I prefer Cornetto because it sounds classier. I think the official... if You you can buy this as a box set, and it's called the Three Flavors of Cornetto box set. Oh, yes. I did forget that every one of the movies in the trilogy has a different flavor of cornetto ice cream i think the only thing that we can do strawberry or something right i think yeah this one is technically the strawberry cornetto to do with the blood which uh they didn't actually try and line up as a running joke i I, maybe in the second movie they did it again as a gag in the third one they just realized we have to do it I think is the explanation they've given, but I think the only thing we can do is try and explain how Cornetto fits into this movie by starting the synopsis. Well, I'd like to give a little background just for those of you who are maybe not familiar with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. And in this case, every other actor in this movie. Every actor in this movie is it has been involved in a British sitcom one way or another. And most of them have been involved in a little sitcom I like to call Spaced, because that's what it was called. I'm going to say this right now. Spaced is definitely going to be one of the recommendations uh, when we get towards the end here. Yes. Spaced was a sitcom of sorts, and it was a single-camera sitcom directed by Edgar Wright, written by Jessica Hines now. She was Jessica Stevenson at the time. Jessica Hines and Simon Pegg. And it is about two people who pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend in order to rent a flat. And all of the people that they meet in that building, uh, and the, and the landlords and the other tenants, and it is it is brilliant. A, eh? uh, it ran for two series, and all of the episodes were directed by Edgar Wright. And Shaun of the Dead, in fact, was inspired by one episode of Space. I believe it's in the second series where Shaun does speed all night. He never goes to sleep, and he spends the next day kind of hallucinating and sees zombies everywhere at different points throughout the episode. There was an attempt at an American remake of Spaced, and it bombed horribly, much like every other attempt to remake a British sitcom in America. I'm looking at you, IT crowd. What the fuck was that? Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. Don't, Shit, no, there's, there's, there's no need for there's that. There's way more. Yeah, Red Dwarf. There was an American Red Dwarf? Yes, there is totally an American Red Dwarf. It's awful. You can find the pilot online. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, The Office. Shit, uh, that one. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of The Office, Bilbo Baggins is in this movie. As is the girl who played Dawn in the British Office. Um, so I think Jim is Tim in the... Uh, in the British one, and, and he's played by Martin Freeman. And, and his love interest is, instead of Pam, it's Dawn. And if you have some free time, 
Another recommendation, go watch The British Office. It's not very long. There's two series and a Christmas special. How long did they do the American one for? That was intense. Uh, Seven at least? Seven seasons? Oh, jeez. All right. So what you need to know before uh, watching this movie is that all of these actors and the director and the producer have worked with each other in the past, and they love each other. Yes. And they love working together. They all continually work together. And fortunately, uh, to our benefit as the audience, they are competent in what they do, and since they love doing it, they like turning out good shit. And fortunately, we get to enjoy the uh, product of their labor. And in this case, it is Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead starts off um, just setting up a, uh, a nice uh, romantic comedy between our main character, Sean, and his girlfriend, Liz. And it's it's a pretty simple setup. Sean is kind of a fuck-up. Yeah, Sean just wants to go hang out at the pub every day. He wants a quiet life. He just wants to hang out with his girlfriend, Liz. And his best friend, Ed. And it, you can tell that he's trying to, as much as possible, do right by Ed. And uh, it maybe, you know, to his detriment. Because uh, Liz is calling him out like, hey... We got to hang out by ourselves sometimes. We got to, like, grow up sometimes. You have to not drag Ed everywhere you go. Sean is still pretty much living the life that he had when he was in university. And he hasn't really gotten any farther in life. He really needs a wake-up call. He's been with Liz for three years, and they just kind of go to the Winchester all the time, have a have a pint, and not much else. There's some great visual gags almost anti-visual gags in this opening sequence where they are talking about people seemingly behind their backs but in fact they're talking about them right to their face yeah they're right there right as they're talking about and they're just yeah we know and you get this sense that these five people liz's flatmates uh ed sean and of course liz they are they've been around each other a lot you get the feeling they've had this conversation before maybe in different guises maybe sean and liz have had this conversation before maybe ed well ed and sean have probably not had this conversation before. they may have maybe no. uh especially with uh when we get to peter serafino which is character but sean and liz have definitely had this conversation before diane and David, who are Liz's best friends have definitely been involved in this conversation before it ends they're with a- in a rut it ends with a promise by Sean saying, I'm going to change, I'm going to do right, I'm going to do good. And we go to our title sequence, which is a lot of people kind of just mulling about their lives, going around the everyday, just kind of, you know, not kind of stopping to smell the roses, just kind of almost acting as they were just zombies going throughout their day, which is, I guess, the first bit of foreshadowing we get in this movie that has a lot of foreshadowing in it. One of the brilliant things about this movie is every character that you see in this opening sequence shows up again later in the film as a zombie. And they are doing the exact same thing that they were doing when they were alive. With the exception of one, Bloody Mary. Oh, Bloody Mary. Bloody she, Ma- is, she is a checkout girl at a supermarket. We're going to get to Bloody Mary in a second. First, what happens is uh, Sean wakes up and probably has... The second crappiest day of his life, the first one being the day that's about to follow. But uh, he wakes up, and he's just, uh, he's a bit of a, sp- a scatterbrain. He uh, just goes to work, does his normal thing, and forgets that he was supposed to go out with Liz that night. They missed their anniversary already mm, whoops. A, a week or two ago, and he was supposed to make reservations at a nice restaurant that does the fish. Full cheese? 
which I believe is a reference to an Italian horror director. The other thing that he had forgotten is that he's supposed to go over to see his mom the pre- the following day, and he's reminded by Philip. And Philip is played by Bill Nye, and it is awesome. Very kind of a creepy intro for Bill Nye. He just kind of turns around. He's already acting like he's part of the zombie horde here, which, uh, well, again, maybe foreshadowing. I don't know. We're going to get to that in a second. If you're playing the drinking game at home of Out of Sync, take a shot every time we say foreshadowing. Oh, (laughs) jeez. If you uh, were drinking every time there was uh, something that you knew... Okay, you've seen the movie before, so watching it again, you realize how much was foreshadowing. You're drinking, God, uh, like 20 times in the first 10 minutes of this movie. But the, the end result of, of Sean's terrible day is he, uh, he forgets about everything that he's supposed to do with his mom and with Liz. And sure enough, he uh, forgets about an important dinner reservation. And Liz calls him out on it, and she is pissed. Really pissed she breaks up with him. Immediately. And he and Ed decide to do the only thing that, you know, two uh, two guys trying to deal with a broken heart can do. Yeah, he... I mean, Sean attempts to win her back. He goes over to her flat. He threatens to climb up the wall. He fails. They let him in. She straight up breaks up with him. He goes out drinking. Oh, they drink hard. They drink very hard. And on their way, kind of stumbling home, there's some other people stumbling about. Cause white lies blow away. But, I mean, they're so loaded, they just assume that, you know, everyone else around them must be loaded as well. But we're about to discover that might not be the case. Uh, get higher, girl. What we do get is a nice uh, kind of uh, second scene. In, with Pete, we've we've seen Pete before. He was introduced earlier in the movie, but he's a real twat, as uh, he's referred to in this particular scene, where he's he's chewing uh, Sean and Ed out for, you know, blasting their music. Which, to be fair, I mean, it was a little loud. Four in the fucking morning. It's Saturday. No, it's not. It's fucking Sunday. But you know, to be fair, Liz had just broken up with Sean, and it was very very sad, and they were really loaded. Yes. Uh, but Pete's also feeling a little under the weather. And, and he reveals that he has to go into work because uh, he has to go into work tomorrow on a Sunday because everyone is in his office is also kind of feeling a little sick. And I've got to go to fucking work in four fucking hours because every other fucker in my fucking department is fucking ill. He's got a bandage on his hand. He, I don't think he's going into work on a Sunday. No, he said he's to go in. No, yes. They say it's Saturday night. They should be able to stay up. And he says, no, it's not Saturday. It's Sunday. As in they have the wrong day. And the following day is Monday. Oh, I, I picked up that up as I have to go in on a Sunday because everyone is friggin' sick in my office and I need to go in and do work. Either way, everyone is sick in his office. Then can you see why I'm so fucking angry? Everyone is sick. Again, like, they just, they're, they're laying it out there. Like, something's up. Pete, by the way, played by Peter Serafinowicz, who was A, in Spaced, like everyone else, uh, was in Look Around You which is a fantastic little, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a parody of educational series. And there were two series of that. The first one is very much just a straight educational series. And the second one is kind of like a fake PBS educational news series. And also the voice of Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. 
for what, the one line that Darth Maul has. Wait, the, the guy who did the stunts, that wasn't like his own voice? No, unfortunately not. His voice was not deep enough and impressive and scary enough. So they got. That guy does have a scary voice, damn. Peter Serafinowitz came in. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's no, Peter I can Serafinowitz. hear it now. I can hear it now, for sure. So the, the night kind of ends on a down note, and Sean stumbles into the kitchen where he gives himself a to do list for the next day, which is go to mum, go around mum's, get Liz back, fix life, get shit together, something like that. So, yeah. Figure life out, sort out life. And uh, he... Simple list. You know how sometimes in a zombie movie... I'm sorry, are we using the Z word? Don't say that. What? That. What? That. The Z word. Don't say it. Why not? Because it's ridiculous. I think we're not using the Z word. Okay. Sometimes in these types of uh, Walking Dead type movies, you have a character who wakes up from a coma. And in this case, it's just Sean sleeping through the zombie apocalypse because he was too fucking drunk from the night before. He wakes up, decides to go about his normal business, which always, you know, starts off his day going to the shop right around the corner. Yep. Which he does well, completely he, on autopilot. He asks Ed, hey, do you want anything from the shop? Seems like a normal question after they've been, you know, hitting the uh, hitting the bottle pretty hard the night before. And Ed wants Cornetto. 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 Which Cornetto is Edgar Wright's hangover cure. So he thought it would be funny if after their night of partying out, oh, maybe Ed gets a Cornetto to help him with the hangover that he's got. I think he thought it was funny, and for the rest of the audience, we're just sitting here like, oh, okay, he wants ice cream in the morning, whatever, it's whatever. But then they, they keep the gag going for two more movies. <laughs> and at that point, yeah, okay, it's funny, we get it. it. It's one thing that helps tie everything together, other than, you know, the themes and the... Actually, a lot of things tie these movies together. It's really well done how they, yeah, you know use the same themes and kind of characters and uh, kind of the same running jokes, making three very distinct, very different, but definitely connected movies. And I'm getting, I want to get into that more after we get through the synopsis because what, ha- what we get is uh, Sean slowly, very slowly as he comes out of his hangover, starts to realize something's off. But first he pops around the shop, encounters all the same people he encountered yesterday. But once again, he's on complete autopilot and pays no attention to the world around him. And it, it is takes, completely it, unaware that everyone around him is the walking dead. Even, uh, he's slipping in blood. He's missing bloody handprints on coolers because he's looking down at his change. A previously uh, alive homeless person who he's given change to in the past just looks at him and says, sorry, I don't have changes. The guy's just... Uh, More importantly, right doesn't really look at him and just says, sorry... Didn't even have enough for the store. The shop. Yeah. And just walks right past him. I, He's lucky these are slow walking dead. And well, this they, they is make the, it a point to, uh, you know, tell you, hey, this thing was not caused by a monkey with rage virus as a serious F you to uh, 28 days later. I'm going to come out right now and say, fuck fast moving zombies. You don't like fast moving zombies? Nope. Not at a all? fan. Nope. Slow zombies just don't seem as scary. I think it's the, it's, the, what makes them scary is that you should be able to get away from them. But there's just so many of them. Ooh. Yeah. Ugh, it's, it's the, the it's the false sense of security you get from a slow zombie. You think you're safe, and then there's just so many of them, and they burst down your door. You know what? They, they even see someone 
clearly acting oddly in their backyard. There's a girl in the garden. And they, they just think she's drunk. They think she's just a drunk mess. Oh, my God. She's so drunk. Who is it? It's Mary. It's Mary. They, they, they get into a bit of a shoving match with Mary because they think she's just some drunk person from, you know, stumbling home from the bar, still drunk from the night before. They, they shove her and she gets impaled. Oh, brutal. And yeah. by the way, special effects in this movie are great. Yeah, mostly practical effects. I would say this is one of the few shots in the movie where there is a genuine special visual effect. Or a digital effect. Uh, yes, a digital effect right. of some sort. And, and then they, they it kind of slowly starts clicking. You can see with Sean and Ed kind of like, uh, something's up. We, we got to figure this out. And another large zombie wanders in and they realize, ooh, yeah, there's, ah, I'll run back in. Scary. And what do they do? Well, they, they, they just sit down and they, they try and figure out what the heck was that? And the news is on. And by the way, all the newscasters in this movie are actual British newscasters who they uh, roped into doing this. It really gives it a, a sense of verisimilitude. They, they get a bit of a scare as, again, one of our previous uh, just background people shows up as a zombie ready to bite their head off. As yet another piece of something that was foreshadowed earlier, Ed has a habit of not closing the front door. And this guy just walks right in. And they are forced. I mean, they panic. and They, they panic, but they, they are forced to deal with the Walking Dead head they, on. Well, head on. You, It's funny because they smash him in the head with an ashtray and he just drops. And fortunately, right at that moment, our news anchor just is repeating, look, if you have to deal with one of your assailants, with one of these sick people. The attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. And it immediately clicks with them. All right, we're going to go deal with our two zombies in the backyard right now. By throwing whatever we have around just at their heads. Which eventually breaks down into throwing vinyl records at them, which... Which sets up some good gags of which records is Sean willing to throw. Now, some of these are limited. Whoa, 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 what was that? Um, I think it was Blue Monday. There's a bit where you realize he may have been really involved with music in a previous life. I believe he's supposed to have been a DJ. That's the backstory for the characters, that he was once a DJ. And I believe when he met Liz at a rave, he was DJing at the time. Aha. Uh -huh. So okay. he has a, a very impressive, if, if not especially huge, record collection of, of early printings and such. But it sets up a nice gag where, for example, Ed is going through Prince's discography and it'll be like, Purple Rain? No, 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 don't no, throw no, that. No. Sign of the Times? Good God, no. No, no, no. The Batman soundtrack. Throw it. Dire Straits? They chucked Dire Straits. I was a little upset by that. I think there's a certain British thing with Dire Straits that I don't get. No. Chucking vinyl isn't working for them. They bust through the uh, the shed back in the yeah, backyard. Yeah, they even throw Sade. It does not work. No. They, they get into the shed, come out with a cricket bat and a shovel. And this is the iconic Shaun of the Dead look that you see. Shaun still wearing his work shirt and tie from the day before, his name tag still on, rocking the cricket bat, ready to bash some zombies. This is the, the look on every poster, every DVD jacket, every piece of art that you see for Shaun of the Dead. This is Shaun, and for whatever reason, he is really good at smacking zombies in the head with a cricket bat. Yes, very effective. And they decide they need to get out of there, even though the news is telling them, stay where you are, 
Keep all your doors closed. Do not try to reach loved ones. Here's the thing. Ready for this? Our protagonists are not particularly bright. I think that's safe to say. They would not be my first choice for a uh, zombie survival party. Probably not. If I had to take one of them, uh, you have Vaughn, Liz, Ed, Sean, and David. That's the five, right? If I had to pick one of the five, oh God, who would I pick? Because they're all awful. I would pick Yvonne from the other group. Yes. Oh, Yvonne from the other group. What's, uh, what's, uh... Jessica Stevenson. Yeah, what's her Hines. Yeah, what's, um, no, what's, um, Liz's friend's name? Diane. Diane. Diane's the other member of the the, the fifth party. Maybe I'd pick. Maybe I'd pick Diane. No, Yvonne from the other survival group yes. definitely is the. A Diane, according to the special features, does survive. So maybe we'll, she's. We'll put that out there. Maybe she's the one I pick from for my survival group if I had to take one of them. Not David, because he's a pacifist and he's not very effective. He's kind of a wanker. Yeah, Liz doesn't really do much. He's a very passive character. Uh, Ed is kind of he, he's makes some bad decisions. Ed makes some bad decisions. Uh, Sean, he he seems like he has it together, and he's definitely got leadership qualities, but uh, his priorities are not straight. Right at, at the very least. Yeah, because he he immediately thinks I got to go at Liz because, well, she's my girlfriend. It's like no, she dumped your ass, guy. I got to go go around mums. Yeah, fetch mums, kill Philip, my right. stepdad, because. He's apparently been bitten. Yep. Uh, then go around, fetch Liz. Yep. And then... Hold up. Hold up somewhere. Where have are we going to hold up? Have a cuppa. They, they think we'll hold up at Liz's first. And they're like, no, no, That's no. That's not going to work. Because Ed can't smoke at Liz's place. Yep. They, maybe well, we'll hold up at ba- home. Oh, right, right. That's not safe. Because the zombies in the backyard have kind of smashed through the back door. Yeah. Whoops. Ooh. Ooh, I've got an idea. What's that? Someplace that you can smoke someplace that's safe and guess what there's a gun above the bar well the winchester do we know the that local the gun pump. works I, i'm sure the gun works the gun might work maybe yeah it's it might just be a prop you know who knows this makes sense because apparently sean's idea of a uh, romantic night out and an impenetrable fortress is at the same place which is the line from the movie i can't take credit for that one so they they go uh to first to sean's mom's house well we've forgotten pete well, we we are confirmed that Pete's a zombie. That's... We confirm that Pete is a zombie, and he's still a prick. Yep. Um, they take Pete's car. Yep. They go around to Barbara's, which is Sean's mum. They're all Sean is all ready to bash Philip in the head with his cricket bat. Uh, turns out he's not dead yet. Well, he's not dead yet, but he will be soon. Yep. But Barbara will not leave without Philip. Oh. So unfortunately, they must take. Him with him. They jam everyone into Philip's car because, well, Ed really wants to drive Philip's car, so he kind of so... misplaced or maybe crashed their car yeah. that they had. He dinged it up a little bit. But to be fair, the Jaguar is kind of cool. Not great, but it's it's pretty cool. It's Jaguar. Yeah. British people love their Jags. Yeah, Brits love their Jags. What is up with that? I don't know. This car, which is roughly like, I don't know, a 98 XJ. Yeah. XJ it's not even 8. a classic. It's like... it's. It's like a mid, it looks like a late 90s XJ. With how much money they had to spend on this movie, it's probably what they could afford. Yeah, it's probably the coolest car that they could get. Yeah. Plus, it's a Jag. It's a Jag. Oh, I didn't know if your mom had a Jag. And it's uh, Phillips. It's Phillips. I guess we'll have to take the Jag. And, well, they take the car. They got Ed, Barbara, Philip, and Sean in the car. And they head over to Liz's. But Liz doesn't want to leave without... Uh, Diane and uh, blah, 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 blah. 
David. Yeah, and Sean has to climb up into the into her flat successfully this time I mean, because he's already a changed man. It's the first significant obstacle that he has actually faced down so far in this relationship is now he's able to climb up. Love makes it so that nothing can stop him. I mean, you, you see it a little bit because immediately after getting out of the car to go run up to the building, you can see he's become a proficient zombie killer. Yeah, he mows down just a, a field full of zombies to even get to the building. You see right away, he's not fucking around. And it's like, whoa, who's this guy? This is not the guy that we had in the first act of this movie. No, so he gets up to Liz's flat. He convinces them all to come with him. And they all arm themselves and pile into the jag. They know at this point they're heading to the Winchester. And they still agree to go to it. Even though that place has kind of been like a black mark on their lives for, uh, well, the the entire uh, It's representative of what is wrong with their relationship. Yeah. Now, Liz makes it very clear she's not necessarily taking him back. But she is going with him because his leadership skills are such that he convinces two out of the three that it's the right thing to do. David, of course, is being the holdout, the, yeah. the sole holdout. Oh, we're gonna get to David a little bit. In route, well, Philip, he uh, he has been bitten, and uh, he's well, a little heart to heart with Sean. It's sad. Right before he ceases to be, and oh, then proceeds to be. A zombie. Oh. Ooh, he's back. And everyone has to run out of the car real fast. Uh, even though it's very difficult because Philip still has the child locks on the rear doors. God damn it, Philip. Safety first. And they all pile out of the car and Sean has to have that, that conversation with his mom, kind of like, Mom, look, here's what's going on. Philip is no longer Philip. And right at that, that very moment, we get... It's a gag, sure, but it's kind of one of the things about the zombies that you see a few times in this movie, which is they retain parts of their personalities. And in this case, it's Philip turning off Ed's obnoxious music immediately after Sean says, he's not, you know, there's your nothing husband left of that of your husband left. Click. Philip turned off the obnoxious ass music, but then proceeds immediately to try and, you know, chew their brains out. It's something that is interesting. Uh, in their choice for zombies, kind of like there is a little bit still in there, and and it makes for a really, really sad moment towards Are the end here. Are there any other examples? There is. Okay. Um, and it, it's towards the end. Um, we'll get there in in that case. So they they are now on foot, and if there's one thing you don't want to be in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, it's on foot in the middle of a highly populated city. Uh, they got they got a plan though. We're we're gonna run through people's gated backyards. I mean, at least there's gonna be fences between us and whatever is over the next uh, next wall. We just hop a few fences and we can get right to the Winchester. Mostly is a good idea. But uh, Barbara, Sean's mom, uh, kind of by the way is played by Penelope Wilton, and we forgot to mention that she was not in Spaced. She was in Doctor Who because she is a British actress of a certain age. So she played the Prime Minister, Harriet Jones, in the first two series of the remake of the series. Not a remake, but the revived series. She has a, she gets to know a few tips with uh, David Tennant's Doctor would be the best way of putting it. Yep. But she pauses uh, as they're 
jumping over fences uh, through people's backyards. She thinks she recognizes the neighborhood. So she pauses for a second, and uh, she gets herself into a bit of trouble, and Sean has to save her, which he apparently does. Yes. Uh, he's suddenly become very competent. We are, we've seen him be competent at killing zombies. He's now fairly competent at jumping over fences and... Being heroic. Being very heroic. He's becoming quite the hero. And uh, he, we get, a, we get a, funny, uh, a funny bit with him in a... a t- is that tetherball? It's a very small tetherball, whatever it's, it is. It's like British tetherball. I don't know. Brits and their tetherball. I tiny guess balls. This, was set up, this was supposed to be a huge action scene, and they had to kind of cut it uh, because budget. This movie did not have a big budget. Small, independent British film. So what was supposed to be this big uh, showdown between uh, Sean and a zombie with him with a with a tetherball just turns quickly into him ramming the zombie through with the pole end of the tetherball. But following this is one of my favorite visual gags of the entire film. And I bring this up. There was a YouTube video where a man made a video essay about how to do visual comedy. Hi, my name is Tony, and this is Every Frame of Painting. So today I'm going to talk about a director whose work I love. And his examples were all Edgar Wright films. And he openly acknowledged that he's one. Edgar Wright is one of the few directors that really gets how to tell a joke through a visual medium. He contrasted this uh, this argument. Did he? He mentioned Judd Apatow a lot. Yes, Judd Apatow makes funny movies, but there's nothing funny about how they're directed. He basically sets a camera down and lets two funny people improvise in front of it, and they say funny things, but there's nothing inherently funny about the filmmaking. Whereas Edgar Wright moves cameras in funny ways or has cuts that are funny. Even the way that they choose to edit some scenes, just in repetition allows for suddenly the third time you see this repetition be suddenly broken it's jarring in such a way we realize hey they they broke that that's that's really clever and in this particular gag i'm talking about sean climbs up a a little ladder climbs out of frame in a single shot camera never moves (laughs) steps back down the ladder into frame despondent he was checking to see if there were zombies, and you could tell right away as he climbs back down this ladder. Yeah, there's a few. Single shot, timed perfectly, and all of the humor is is through the use of off-screen space. What did he see off-screen? Then the camera crane shot up to show an entire sea of zombies. One of which is another character from space. Yes, tires from space. And I don't mean the actor. The actual character is one of the walking dead. But there is an entire sea of zombies between them and the Winchester. They, they fortunately are able to skirt around this using a pretty, uh, pretty funny uh, bit where they, they pretend to be zombies. And hey, fortunately it works. Yes, because we neglected to mention Diane is a failed actress is she failed? Sean uh, Calder failed. Sean Calder failed, so she's clearly not super successful, but she is an actress. But she, she kind of goes through some acting classes with the group briefly to help them learn to be zombies. Now, take another look at the way he moves. Remember, Dylan. Almost like sleepwalking. Look at the face. It's vacant with a hint of sadness. And a drunk who's lost a bed. Okay, let's try, shall we? And walk in a kind of that 
stumble and the the, the, the drone, that groan, hands kind of up and about and not really doing much. So they shamble their way to the Winchester and successfully get there without arousing any zombie attention. Uh, but then they, they realize the front door is locked. But this is an opportunity for Sean to show once again he's become quite the hero. He just jumps up and right away is like, I'm going to lead them all away. You all all go through this window that David broke because he's a scared little friggin' fuck up. And what a jackass. We told you not to break the goddamn window, David. What are you doing? I mean, he panicked because Ed was making a scene with Sean. They had a little lover's tiff in front of the Winchester and were attracting the attention of zombies. But David's response is to attract the attention of more zombies by smashing the window in. But, you know, Sean gets to have another hero moment. Gives Sean the opportunity to be the hero to lead away. Everyone climbs into the Winchester, and then there's definitely a a passage of time. We we, we think it's about 20 minutes. Could be. Could be you know, the longer. rest of the group is saying, like, what are we going to do? Is is Sean gone? Is Sean gone? We and should he, start sealing up this window. Oh, but then how will Sean get in? And you start to realize, like, everyone is starting to believe in Sean. Everything except for David. David's a twat. In the middle of this argument, thankfully, uh, Sean does show back up and seemingly has a plan. Seemingly, he's like, we are going to lock this thing down. We're going to be good to go. Until you realize, oh, wait, we're at the pub still. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. But it seemed like a good idea. The street lights come on, which oh, means there's power. There's still power going, even though the lights are out. And it's probably just a breaker. So you know, we- Sean Sean goes back, turns on the breakers, which does turn on at least one of the lights out back, and he realizes we're he's, surrounded. He's made a huge mistake. Oh boy, he thought he uh, had given the zombie horde the slip, but uh, not. No, they're they're all outside the Winchester right now. So we have to be very, very quiet. Shit, too bad we brought Ed, because Ed immediately starts making all sorts of noise. I think with it, was it some kind of it's slot some sort machine? Of, it's some sort of slot machine, because it pays out. And, of course, whoo, that's bad. And It's making so much noise, and suddenly, suddenly the, the owner of the pub shows up, and he's a zombie. They have to deal with this zombie in uh in the pub while the zombie horde is outside set to queens don't stop me now unfortunately the jukebox is plugged in and suddenly it starts up I don't know. Tonight, I'm gonna have well, who the hell put this on some random for fuck's sake and we get an a fantastic action sequence choreographed to queens don't stop me now David goes out back trying to hit the breakers to shut off the power, but all he accomplishes is flashing lights outside, attracting more zombies to the Winchester. The, the lights are in sync with the music. The bashing of this zombie's brains are set to the music. It is a phenomenal piece of cinematography. And it is one of my favorite uses of one of my favorite songs, because that is a fun song. Well, Stop me now. Having a good time. Having, having a good time. It ends abruptly as they smash the bar and on his head through the jukebox. Interestingly, as this scene kind of comes to a close, the movie shifts tonally very fast from this point forward. 
it, it you can kind of realize okay we're now kind of in a, a really kind of a horror setup but we're still having fun we're listening to queen not uh, as much from this point forward yeah and while we were watching this i challenged everyone to come up with another movie that has this jarring a tonal shift that still works and i couldn't come up with one that just changes on a dime like this and still works. And don't think that there aren't still funny parts. There are still funny parts, but they're now releases during the terrifying and dramatic parts of the film. A movie that changes this hard that still works. I got nothing. Nothing off the top of, of the dome. It would take some research, and, well, I didn't research that hard. Yeah. I did a little research coming in here. I, I you know, wanted to look up just how many of the cast members and extras were from uh, British television. The answer is all of them. And if they weren't from British television, they were literally people that Edgar Wright just kind of met on the streets while they were filming on location and said, hey, do you want to be a zombie? Uh, a little bit of guerrilla uh, filmmaking went on in the production of this movie. So the rest of this film from this point forward is dark and it and starts that off is both literally and figuratively it starts off they shut off the lights it starts off with a uh, tough a very 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 something tough that you scene. deal with a lot in you know your your typical uh walking dead type of situation where there's always one person who you're like oh I, why did it have to be that one oh, why and, there's always one asshole who's hiding a zombie bite but in this case... It's Sean's mom. It's Sean's mom. It was an old yeller moment. Oh. And Oof. they have a moment. She thanks him for the flowers that he got her earlier. And then tried to give to Liz to make up for the fact that he screwed up earlier. And then threw in the trash, but somehow she found... Again, this is a comedy, folks. Yes. And David, he's all ready to shoot her in the face he's, right now. He's got the gun that they got off the top of the bar, which is a fully functioning Winchester, Winchester rifle. rifle. And Sean's just not going to have it. He's yeah. David's ready to shoot it. They pull broken bottles on David to try and stop him. And we we get some serious like filling in any kind of character development that needs to be. It's still left to do, including the big sh you know kind of smack in the face. Which again, if you're paying attention, because they foreshadowed everything in this movie. You drank when I said foreshadow. Good for you. I'm out at the moment. I got to go pour myself another one. That David was, in fact, in love with Liz. Yes, but then we have the old yeller moment, uh, which she, is is tough to watch. It's it's kind of tough to say even. But here here's where here's where there's that moment, that second instance where we kind of see a zombie pause and kind of, you know, you could see remnants of their old life. The first one uh, was the shopkeeper coming after Sean for money that he owed him. Oh, yes. The second one you really see is uh, actually Sean getting kicked in the head with a soccer ball by a, a, a zombie kid who appeared earlier. The, four, the third one is Philip, Philip turning in, off in the, the music. In the jag. And, but in this one, it, it's Sean's mom, Barbara, almost rem almost remembering Sean and not trying to bite him right away. No, she, she doesn't turn violent until David... Opens his damn mouth. Yells... Uh, and Sean is forced to take care of what was once his mother. Yeah, it was a sad moment in this in this comedy movie. It's like, what the hell just happened? And then you realize zombies are getting like really close to pouring into the Winchester like right now. David 
basically has a breakdown, decides he's just going to head out and make a run for it. Well, I mean, first he tries to shoot Sean. True. And yeah. he doesn't... He he tries, as in... He the pulls the trigger. He pulls the trigger. On that Winchester rifle. But he's out of shells at the moment. <laughs> uh, They're insistent upon calling them shells. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. Um, maybe it is like a British slang for a, uh, a round of ammunition or a bullet. But uh, I, I think it's just Ed thinking it's a cool way to refer to his bullets. Yeah. Call them shells. So David he, attempts to kill Sean, and, then attempts to just, make a run for it. When Diane talks him down and he finally kind of calms down, zombies burst in through the window and tear him to bits in a scene that looks shot for shot from Day of the Dead. I mean, they you see it's a practical effect they tear into his stomach and they rip out his intestines and you watch the whole thing happen and it's it's gruesome now we have officially Oof. reached the point where we are in a straight up zombie movie at the, no questions you got zombies coming in through the windows you got zombies coming through the back door and hey one of the zombies that comes through the back door is pete Hey, Pete, he's still naked. Oh, jeez. Oh, did we mention Pete was naked? We didn't. We missed he's that. He's naked. Uh, Diane decides she's got to go and try and rescue uh, David. Who has been torn apart, and her weapon... Decapitated. Her weapon is his leg. Oh, yeah. Like, and she so, has his dismembered leg to use as a club against the zombie horde. Which, mind you, according to the special features, she survives the entire ordeal. You have to watch the Z the DVD extras to learn this, but apparently she does survive going into this uh, mob of The Walking Dead armed with her ex-boyfriend's leg. Yeah. So all hell is breaking loose. Zombies are pouring in. Uh, Pete comes in, and unfortunately it's Pete who ends up biting Ed, and it's really kind of like, what the hell? Oh. Ed has been such a twat through this entire thing, and he's the one who gets to take down Ed. Uh, they didn't like each other. That's fair. They end up hiding behind the bar. They light the bar on fire. Unfortunately, they leave the bullets up there. But thankfully, uh, the heat kind of sets them off, and they go every which way. Kind of save them the opportunity to sneak down into the basement, where they realize, did we just trap ourselves down here? And they have to make that decision that everyone runs to in a zombie movie. We've got two bullets left. There's three of us. Ed's already dying, and he says he doesn't mind being eaten. And, you know, Liz and Sean have to decide, are we okay with, like, just, just shooting ourselves down here? Is that where we're at? Sean makes the decision. He doesn't think he has it in him to shoot his flatmate, his mom, and his girlfriend in the same night. And Liz is like, what makes you think I'm taking you back? To it, which he responds, you don't want to die single, do you? It was a pretty good moment. It was yeah, pretty it's funny. A good moment. And they just kind of say, I guess we'll just wait for the zombie horde then. Guess uh, we'll uh, smoke these couple of cigarettes we were hiding from each other because we both gave up smoking, but apparently not really. But the lighter illuminates the controllers to get back up to the street, and they make the decision: let's go on up, and we're gonna, if we're gonna go out, might as well go out swinging. Uh, Ed, Ed decides. Behind. Ed decides. I'm gonna buy you some time from these uh, zombies currently in the bar who are trying to break in down to where we are right now. Good luck on and the streets. And they have. Oh, the sweetest interpersonal moment that I've ever seen on film that involves a fart. <laughs> a rancid fart. Uh, again, running gags in this movie. There's a lot of them. We did, we, we're not even going to try and touch on all of them. But Sean and Liz make it up to the street level. And and they, they are ready. They're ready Let's to start go. swinging. Let's brawl. And 
bombed out of nowhere. The army shows up, and who's with the army? Yvonne! Yvonne! Yay! Yay. It's... It's implied that maybe she's the only one of her group that made it. Though maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's, it's I would up like for to interpretation. Th- I would like to think that Bilbo didn't make it. That, that... You'd like to think that Bilbo didn't make it? Oh, yeah. Poor Marty Freeman? Yeah, no. He didn't make it. You don't it. think Watson made it? No. I don't think he made it either. No. You know, if they, if they had Benedict Cumberbatch kind of in that group, maybe he would have made it. I think Benedict Cumberbatch was there. But uh, he wasn't a comedy actor, so he wasn't in this movie. True. How the heck did, he, did, did Martin Freeman get cast as Watson? I guess it's kind of a funny role for him still. I guess. I don't know. He's, I, he's pretty fantastic in the role. True. And I guess Bilbo Baggins isn't necessarily a comedic role either. Yeah. Martin Freeman's a pretty good actor. Damn, I didn't really think of this. Can you imagine that you've played... You have an iconic TV role already on on TV in Britain. Mm-hmm. Then you play John Watson, who's iconic they, in like one in of literature the iconic and roles. film and everything. And yeah. then you play Bilbo Baggins. Ay. That's a pretty good run for what, like within five years. And in the meantime, you're still pausing and helping out your uh, your buddy Edgar Wright making uh, several of his movies. Yeah, you grab Martin a... Freeman is in all three of these movies, the uh, Cornetto trilogy, in increasing roles. True, he uh, he has like a, a small grunt in Shaun of the Dead. Yep, and then he has a speaking role in Hot Fuzz, but not a very large one. And then he's one of the main five uh, characters in uh, the World's End. The World's End. Uh, oh, we get to talk about the Cornetto trilogy soon, but we got to let you know is that after the army goes and saves Shaun and Liz, cut forward six, six months. months. The world is recovering. The it, world is recovered, I would argue. Uh, zombies have been kind of domesticated-ish. They're kind of considered a fact of life. They have TV shows about them. People have charities set up for them, you know, with, with celebrities like Coldplay helping out. The, uh, the, the British female Jerry Springer is interviewing people who are still married to their zombie spouses. And we see Sean and Liz living in Sean's apartment. Apparently together. Apparently together. It, you, it kind of implies that Sean may have kind of gotten his shit together. Yes, but I will say this. He's living the exact life he wanted to live at the beginning of the movie because Liz lays out the plan for the day and it's taking it easy, going around for a pint later. And Liz seems perfectly happy with this. So this is not about a movie about a man growing up and learning to take responsibility. This is a movie about his girlfriend Learning to settle for his boring-ass life. Uh, They've had enough excitement. <laughs> Maybe he had something there with his calm, go-around-for-a-pint-every-night kind of life. Before they get into their exciting, hey, let's, you know, just head out for a pint tonight, he decides to pop into uh, the shed for a bit. And this is kind of fine, you know, for, just don't take too long. Like a girlfriend says to a boyfriend who's got a hobby. And, uh, well, who, who's in the shed? Ed. It's Ed in the shed. It's Ed in the shed, and they're playing their video games that they would play back uh, before Ed became, uh, uh, you know, dead. But he's, you know, again, there's still a little bit of that old Ed in there, which is something they decided to do with this they movie. They trained Ed to play video games. So Sean still has his best friend, too. Definitely we, a comedic way to end. Yes. A zombie I don't know. movie. It's, it's touching. It's touching, but it's funny. It's funny and touching. Well, Ed does try and, like, he considers biting him for a second. And we get another Queen song to close us out. Shot of the Dead. 
I like this movie a lot. I like this movie, and more importantly, I like all three of the movies in the Coronado trilogy. Which, of course, if we haven't mentioned already, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is a funny movie that takes place within a zombie survival story. Hot Fuzz is a funny movie that takes place within a buddy cop slash action movie. And then The World's End is a pretty funny movie that takes place in a sci-fi alien uh, end of the world type of film. It's, it's, it's an interesting shell to build around a, a movie trilogy. And they are all hung on a very well-constructed structure of story. Shaun of the Dead alone should be used in film school, and I have seen it used in classes to show you how you construct a story, how you use callbacks and how you use foreshadowing in a way that's not overly obvious, but not insulting to your audience. As far as pointing out uh, the way that we're making fun of ourselves, Hot Fuzz does it a lot better by directly pointing to the movies that we are making fun of uh, in this film. Not necessarily making fun of, uh, but paying homage to and pointing out the tropes in, uh, which are films like, they, they call them out, Bad Boys 2. And Point Break. And, and Point Break. Favorite of the podcast, Point Break. Uh, again, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg play the two leads here, as they do in all three of the Cornetto trilogy. And then uh, World's End. World's End kind of, it doesn't stick as hard to the uh, structure of the other two films, but it still has, it's the same thematically. It's more of a 50s B-movie sci-fi thing going on, and there's less specific films that they're calling out to than more of a genre thing. And more interestingly, they flip the two leads, whereas Nick Frost is now the responsible one, and Simon Pegg is kind of the crazy, useless one in this one. Bill Nye is in all three. He has uh, actually kind of a diminishing role in all three. True. He plays uh, Philip, uh, Sean's stepdad in uh, Shaun of the Dead. He plays a police. He, he, oh, I, I got his title. He plays Metropolitan Chief Inspector. Ah, Chief Inspector. Chief Inspector in uh, Hot Fuzz. And then he just does the voice of the network. He only is a voiceover in World's End. I could not remember if he was in any of the pubs, but you're correct. He's, he's just the voiceover in this one. But what is kind of cool is definitely the way that they make three very different movies kind of using the same themes and the same running gags uh the way that they incorporate all of the the actors who are apparently very very willing to come back and participate in these and i'm not just talking about simon Pegg and nick frost who of of course you know like without those two there's no point in doing a trilogy like this um but a lot of the folks of bill nye uh, martin freeman are all they, they just sign up right away like yeah we're gonna do that even minor roles, there's a uh, an actor who plays an underling, I suppose, for Sean, named Noel, who plays a bigger part in Hot Fuzz. He's one of the cops. He's one of the Andes. Just basically, it seems like if you work with Edgar Wright once, there's a good chance that you're going to have a job later on waiting for you. Interesting enough about this trilogy as well, originally when they were thinking sequel to Shaun of the Dead... They were thinking uh, another zombie-type movie set in the same universe. And then they kind of realized we kind of killed off too many characters. I'm glad they didn't, because going in a completely different direction... I go back and forth on this, but usually Hot Fuzz is probably my favorite of the three. 
and that's hard to say. Sometimes it's Shaun of the Dead. World's End, I haven't watched enough times because it's the more recent of the three. Uh, though I did enjoy it quite a bit. I do own it. But Hot Fuzz is a movie that is an entire film of setup. And then he kicks an old lady in the face. And it's just balls of the wall action for the next 20 minutes. Again, another hard turn. Not necessarily as hard as Shaun of the Dead. Which is, again, I, I'm still trying to come up with a movie that's harder. That's like, that takes that hard of a turn. Yeah, I can't really think of another movie that is without one being, genre and just throws the brakes on. Without and, being like, wait, what the hell? Or without being um, like some kind of stupid gag that doesn't work. Yeah, because for two thir- the first two acts of the movie, two-thirds of the movie, it is a comedy with a couple of horror elements. The last act is straight up, it's a horror film with a couple comedic elements, and it just flips completely and it really shouldn't work it kind of feels like the thing if it wasn't that well structured it would be taught in film schools of don't ever do this don't ever just set your audience up for one thing and then change it in the last act how could that possibly work so definitely hot fuzz is an automatic recommend if you're a fan of Shaun of the dead world's end definitely if you've seen the other two you gotta do it um, not as hard of a recommend, but definitely do, uh, it's on the list. If you haven't seen Spaced, I think it's on Netflix. If not, uh, it's worth the effort to track down. It's probably one of my favorite of those British sitcoms. Black Books, who the star of Black Books played David in this movie. That's a very short. Uh, I think it only ran for one series. It might have ran for two. But uh, that one's a lot of fun. Uh, zombie comedies. Zombieland is in there. Um, it's it's good. Um, I would go for a slightly more classic if we're picking out recommendations. I would go with I I don't know which title depending on what country you're in. It's either Brain Dead or Dead Alive. I Peter I know Jackson. it is Dead Alive. Yeah. Dead Alive has the I'm pretty sure it is still the cinematic record for most fake blood used in a single shot. I think that's that's its claim to fame. That and pregnant zombie nuns. I love that someone went and looked at that and said, let's give this guy a couple hundred million dollars to go make Lord of the Rings. Wait, did he have nothing else in between? He made, no, he made a few movies. Yeah, I was but about, geez. I don't know if any of them are much harder recommendations for giving him hundreds of millions of dollars. You've got Heavenly Creatures, which is a great little independent film, uh, I think Kate Winslet's premiere, and that is actually a really well-made film. And The Frighteners, which I I enjoy The Frighteners a lot, but it was kind of a big flop, and I don't see it as being a good calling card. I don't think Peter Jackson would send someone a copy of The Frighteners pre-Lord of the Rings and say, hey, this is what I'm good at. I think it was he sent people Heavenly Creatures, well, and he it, was running Weta Workshop at that point, right? Yeah, I believe so that's his. it's kind of like, hey, let me direct this, and you get the full power of Weta behind you. Had Weta done anything oh. before Lord of the Rings? Um, I know the Frighteners was their first big, hey, look at what we can do hmm. with these cool ghost effects. Uh, when was which we later Because they, they did some... I know Weta That's did... all ILM. Oh, that's right. Shoot. All right. Well... Peter Jackson, whoever agreed to give you that money, good on them, because I have no justification for it. 
there are a couple other uh, comedy horror type of uh, things we can do. Uh, we mentioned this once before, but Mr. Vampire is a pretty funny uh, vampire flick. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of the Asian um, vampire and ghost stories that that are are fairly funny, and they're they're kind of Hong Kong action flicks mixed with some really interesting comedy. You kind of got to be open to that weird cultural shift in comedy, though. That hopping vampires that can find you by your breath. Quentin, Tar- tail. Quentin Tarantino does uh, genre mashup pretty well, uh, just because he's usually pulling from a lot of source material to uh, pull his movies together. All right, Shaun of the Dead. I feel like a lot of people have seen Shaun of the Dead, and when I bring it up to them, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's still considered a cult film. It's weird. A lot of people have seen it, but I don't think a lot of people appreciate what it does and how well it does it. It probably gets its cult status because it... It's a foreign film, if you're an American. Right. An American, but it's, American... it's the palatable type of foreign film where they're still speaking English. Box office, it pulled in, I think, about $30 million. On a budget of $6 million, which is pretty low for a horror special effects laden film it was definitely uh successful enough where someone said like uh hey yeah we'll give you money to make uh hot fuzz which was a huge box box office success and I, and it was in limited release in america i remember having to drive hot fuzz was yeah it was originally in limited release and i went and saw it i had to drive a good hour or two to go see it and then a couple weeks later it was doing so well in limited release, it got wide release. Okay. That... And I was able to see it at every, any rinky-dink theater, and I saw it okay. twice in theaters, actually. that's That makes a lot more sense, because I remember it kind of being a, a, a really big deal, and people... I, I was once uh, doing a, one of my summer gigs, and a 12-year-old was quoting Hot Fuzz, and first off, I was thinking to myself, why are you watching Rated R Movies, 12-year-old? And second, saying, like, uh, okay, hey, Hot Fuzz, I guess it's doing pretty good. Uh, then I was thinking, like, I, when some, there were several times when someone had talked about Hot Fuzz to me when I was like, oh, you should go check out Shaun of the Dead uh, with a 12-year-old. That was not one of them because, like, again, this movie takes a hard, hard turn. Oh, Lordy. There is a lot of things that we could talk about here, but the one that I want to get to is who would you want to see more of? Who do you want to make a Shaun of the Dead expanded universe about. Ooh, Ooh. that's tough. It's it's such a, a tightly constructed film that I'm not sure if I want to see too much more of anyone else. I was thinking Yvonne, though. Oh, of course, Yvonne. We, we don't see... We, we see her twice. Uh, three times, I'm sorry. We see her when she's introduced as someone that Shaun knows. We see her again as a someone wandering around in the zombie apocalypse and then again at the end where apparently she is a survivor so i I would watch that parallel movie oh yeah it would be like that book of ender's game ender's shadow where it's from the other people's point of view or uh what is it now uh well, you know, interview yeah, I, with the vampire uh, where she wrote um the vampire lestat which is the entire same story but from lestat's point of view okay that was that was okay uh, but mostly I want to see this to watch Barton Freeman get turned into a zombie. That's the movie that I would want to see. As far as, uh, you know, we usually are pretty good at pointing out plot holes. It's kind of oh, hard geez. on this one. I got nothing, man. You can tell they spend a lot of time sitting in front of a whiteboard, coming up with everyone's backstory, 
and trying to figure out how everything fits together. We always have a lot of fun when we get to like plot holes and things like that. There aren't really any, and even ones that you could argue about, there's a special feature that explains it away, or something like that. Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and World's End have so much fun stuff in the special features. Hot Fuzz has a bunch of different commentary tracks. I think one of them, which I I have not heard, and I'm not sure if it actually made it into one of the American releases, but they apparently put together a commentary track of actual police officers watching the movie and explaining why things aren't realistic or are realistic. I almost wonder, because there's a joke that was made in Shaun of the Dead where they said, we're going to try and break a record for number of co- uh, commentary tracks on a DVD. So that's where they try and then shoehorn in having police officers watch the movie and do a commentary on it. There's a lot of little in-jokes like that throughout not just the, the Cornetto trilogy, uh, but from Spaced. And you other- know what? I just remembered one of my favorite special features, which we didn't watch they always show their TV edits where they've replaced all the swears. And in Shaun of the Dead, there's a, a the scene where Pete is swearing up a storm at Shaun and Ed and saying fuck to everything. They replace it with funk. It's four in the funking morning. It's Saturday. No, it's not. It's funking Sunday. And I've got to go to funking work in four funking hours because every other funker in my funking department is funking ill. Now, can you see why I'm so funking angry? Funk, yeah? Is this movie even played on TV in America? I would totally sit down and watch it if it was, though. It's one of those, if it's on TV and you're channel surfing and it's on, you stop. Oh, it's the Goodfellas of zombie horror comedy movies you got anything else all i want to say is if you're listening to the a podcast like this you've probably seen Shaun of the dead and i hope you've seen the other two films in the cornetto trilogy and if you haven't seen any of the things that we've recommended today like spaced or no space is the big one spaced is the big one but the british office but mainly spaced if you're listening to this podcast and hoping to, to learn something that about something you haven't seen before and space rings your bell, make an effort. It's definitely worth tracking down. It's one of my favorite British TV series I think I've ever seen. You just see it, and Edgar Wright's entire style permeates the entire show. There's no mistaking that it was made and directed by Edgar Wright. The same guy who, you know, did Shaun of the Dead. All right. Hey, thank you so much for listening to everyone. We're going to probably wrap it up here. Uh, I'm Steve Shannon. I'm Jonathan LeDuc. Don't forget to check out our website. If you haven't been listening to us through the website, that's outofsyncpodcast.com. You can see more about our other productions on shellbackmedia.com. Shoot us an email at outofsyncpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at shellbackmedia. Is that it? Yeah. Perfect. Thank that's you so all- much. I'm looking at Weta Workshop's filmography, and they did Hercules: The Legendary Journey. Okay, that was that was pretty. That looks pretty good. And other than that, it's the Tommy Knockers in 1993, and that's it. Tommy Knockers did scare the crap out of me when I saw it. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that the special effects were the highlight of the Tommy Knockers. No, um, definitely okay now. <laughs>